Welcome to In The New. On today's episode, I am joined by UK-based artist Alexandria Ko. You're probably quite familiar with, with her work already. Her drawings of abstract nudes are absolutely inspiring and gorgeous, and I'm sure that you've already followed her on Instagram, have seen some of her work, or definitely pinned it across Pinterest if nude art is up your alley. So needless to say, interviewing her today was the perfect fit for this podcast and really who I had in mind when I was even coming up with this genre and this audio journal. Alexandria's work is the subtle differences between what it is to be nude and to be naked. Looking at the relationship between womanhood, bodily experience of sensuality and sexuality, and exploring the depth of expression that is possible within minimalist mark making. Her work is always about raw human emotion and how that is tangled with our relationship to ourselves and each other. She's worked with some pretty impressive brands like Teen Vogue, Topshop, Liberty in London, Twin Magazine, Luna Japan, and many more, and is sought after for her custom commissions and available print art. Alexandria and I met about a year ago as I was planning a sensual retreat in Paris and wanted to offer my clients a really different experience in connecting to their bodies through her art. She also did a custom lesson for some of my clients earlier this fall and was one of the first people I thought of as having a guest on In The New podcast. So I will turn us over to this beautiful conversation and I hope you guys feel as inspired as I do by her creative journey, her process, and how she approaches her very unique and transformative art form. Okay, so welcome, Alexandria. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, so to start off, I just love for you to tell any listeners a little bit more about you, your art, and how you got to where you are today. So I'm an artist, and I, I currently live in London. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. Um, it started with literally me in a studio and a lot of spare time. Um, I just finished a master's. I was really passionate about women's studies and I knew I wanted to create something for that, but I didn't really know what I was doing yet. So I just started drawing and drawing has always been one of my biggest passions. Even as a child, it was my biggest skill, I'm going to say. And I started drawing these nudes and these female nudes and I put them on Instagram and Instagram has been an incredible tool for me to just like highlight my career and like promote it and put them online. And then suddenly everything kind of like snowballed. Um, it ended up being uh, bought by a big department store here in London and a lot of people were sharing my work and I realized I had something going here. And these like these female nudes um are like really bare and minimal and for me this was a really important factor in what I was trying to say I guess I was exploring my own body and this was like a big stage of the body positivity movement so for me I wanted to express like how is it to feel like a woman opposed to look like a woman so it was less for me about expressing shape or size or sort of any of those things that we can become really critical about in both positive and negative ways for me this was about like how do you experience a body so the drawings are really minimal they're created 
really loosely um, without any thoughts and they've often got imperfections on them. And it kind of continued from there. I've been doing it for a few years. Um, and I mostly sell still through me and Instagram still been an amazing platform to reach a worldwide audience. Um, I've been teaching, I've been doing exhibitions, workshops, collaborations, and yeah, that that's me. And that's my career in a nutshell. <laughs> I love that. Well, I found you through Instagram or, or maybe it was Pinterest. I can't remember, but loved just the, the emotion your work I think brings out. And it's that abstractness, those imperfections, And that looseness really does show what your goal is in that feeling and less about what this woman looks like, which I think we can all see ourselves in the woman, regardless of what form she actually has, which I think is really cool and really different from some of the other nude artwork that I've seen, especially come up in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I wanted, like a lot of my women, I actually don't like to... Or, or the figures, like there's both men and women there, but I don't like to put faces in them because I don't want you to become attached to that being a particular person that we can critique ourselves against. It's more, here is a body that expresses some sort of form of emotion, whether that's happy or sad. And I wanted everyone to see themselves in it. And I think a drawing does have the power to do that, opposed to a photograph, where we're so used to analyzing that photograph and you know am I in this can I see myself in this does this depict my you know age range color range it's yeah I think it can be quite powerful in that sense of reaching very different groups of people um and often I find that customers will tell me what they see in a drawing and in particular, I've got a series that is all based on love um, and like intimacy and what they will see in those drawings is so unique that maybe I haven't placed there, but I kind of love that they've just interpreted it and it means something to them. Yeah. What I find so interesting because I went to fashion school and part of our illustration classes is doing live drawings of nude models and you know, it was more of an exercise and I obviously never took it any further. I was not very talented in that department of my art, but I always appreciated it. And, you know, it's often something that art students know about, but I've found that nude art is something a lot more recently I've been seeing so much more of, and maybe has had this kind of renaissance and popularity. When I walk around Paris and you walk around the Tuileries Gardens or um, outside the Louvre, every statue is a nude woman you know, in her true form and really beautiful. And you go through the Louvre and it's paintings of female nudes, you know, from way back in history. And then I feel like there was this pause and now there's been kind of this renaissance. And so when you first started your work, what was the reaction around you or what hurdles did you have to overcome as an artist? Oh yeah, I think you're right. It was something that was already becoming popular, I think, I think especially more in photography at the time that I started, there was this band of female photographers who were really kind of capturing what we now call the female gaze. But for me, though, the female gaze almost feels sometimes a bit, um, it's like very prescribed to an idea. And that's almost like saying that's one way to look at something and the male gaze is another. And it just feels 
too much like you're suggesting this is how you should see and I kind of wanted to create something really neutral um and I had like I think I started from such a natural place that perhaps it almost started from a place where I didn't really think. For me, again, like I went to art school and I've been life drawing for a lot of my life and it was always a big passion. And the point of life drawing, um, as any teacher will tell you, is an exercise in learning how to see. So you're learning how to really use your eyes and coordinate that with your hands. And you're meant to see what is actually there, which is super interesting because for a lot of us looking in the mirror, we're probably rarely ever seeing what is actually there. We're seeing an interpretation that we placed in the narrative of our head of how we're feeling today. I think I was super lucky when I started though, because no one in particular was doing something quite like it. There are quite a few people doing it now. So I do think that it's really important that I kind of keep evolving that subject though. And it is very close to my heart um, for multiple different reasons, but it's keep taking these images on their journey because as you said, like the nude is now everywhere in both a quite comical way and a serious way. You know, I think it became a statement for women to at one point like wear this nude on them perhaps or on a tote bag or something and now it's like all over homeware products and sometimes for me that's great and sometimes I find it a bit contrary in the sense I'm not sure about commercializing a female body that much almost feels like we do a massive loop but yeah lots of people really loved the nudes when I started like it felt that people were really buying them as a statement for their home. There was a lot of like first home buyers, you know, quite a young millennial audience wanting that first piece in their home. And it's a conversational point. Although it was interesting at first, I definitely used to come across two very different type of people. One would be the type that really liked the kind of <laughs> more explicit nature of the work. And some people much more in commercial um, projects, everything had to be a little bit more clean and tidy and PG-13. <laughs> um, mm. So things used to have to be a bit more covered. And now I've kind of got to a stage where I can exercise my artistic license. But yeah, I think people have really started to embrace embrace the female nude. And it's kind of a really important fact that we do. And it, it's then rolls onto other conversations. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And I think it's it's funny because I, I feel like we appreciate the female nude in art first, um, but we're, we still weren't appreciating ourselves, like what the drawing's about. And, mm. uh, and now I think we're slowly starting to see what we see in the art in ourselves. And like you said, take a little bit more time to see what's really there or love all the aspects and that you are the muse of those art pieces, whether you physically were the model or you just see yourself in it. And I think that's a really beautiful transformation that maybe art has opened a window to. Um, and like you said, I think less so than the photography, which sets, I think, a little bit more of a comparison often or a very identity to the person that's in it that's hard to remove. Whereas your art and its abstraction leaves the identity of the, the nude so open for you to put yourself into, which I think then helps you go back to the mirror and 
take that same feeling and put it back onto yourself, which I think is really cool. I, you know, you mentioned about like the commercial side of art and, or even the female nude. And I work with so many women in business and I did this post the other day about being a CEO and this artist um, commented on it saying, you know, as an artist, I forget that maybe this can be my identity as well. And I've seen it so often that artists will separate themselves as a business owner um, and want to very much keep, I'm not a business owner and that identity very, very separate and almost at a distance as it's a negative thing to also be a business owner. And I think maybe that's pushed by this societal idea of the starving artist, whether that's a positive or negative thing. But as we've seen, especially in this COVID world with online, as we've seen a lot of artists um, selling their work through Instagram like you have and it being a way to connect and creating really thriving businesses from their art. So I guess my question to you is, do you feel that separation as a business owner and as an artist, or if you don't, how do you intertwine them if you do at all? I think I've learned the hard way, um, like we all do, that you have to be a business if you want to survive. And for a lot of artists, it's really hard to even consider that they are a business. So, you know, like, You spend all of your time at art school learning about your concept and your belief system and then they chuck you out (laughs) into the world and you're left with no actual um, idea of how the business world works. All you do is you're like, I have a skill, I have a reason for my skill, but what do I now do? And I do think it is a cliche, you know, the cliche of the starving artist, even artists themselves will play up to that role. You know, there's something within the drama of it all. But it is really hard as to sort of say to someone, like, I want to be an artist. I still think saying that now is such a hard thing for people to say because for the average person, the answer back would be, well, how are you going to make money from that? And, you know, we do have a very much, like, money equals worse society and you obviously can make a lot of money from art you can make very little money and but there is an in-between ground which isn't really spoken about um I think I learned the hard way in sense that I definitely made mistakes I've definitely not known my worth at points but though it was really useful that before I started doing what I'm doing now I did do some more commercial illustration jobs just as a general illustrator and it kind of gave me an idea of how you price your work which for a lot of people how do you price an artwork like it's so subjective but just having that idea of working out you know your time your materials your skill and putting it all together and just saying this is my price and I think it takes a long time for someone to just go like well this is what I want for this work and be okay with it And then you add on top of that being a female artist that also wants to be a business, you know, like not only are you taught as the artist that, you know, the starving artist by, but you're also a woman dealing with, you know, people that can be both really equal and really not. And I've definitely experienced people thinking like they'll look at me and they'll think, Here's some sweet little woman (laughs) drawing these little pictures and I might take her for a ride. 
<laughs> so I think it's definitely all about knowing your worth and just being really strong with going, I deserve this. And if you want to make money from art, there's a very small population that literally get picked up and will go to the top straight away. For a lot of it is a lot of hard graph and work and it's working out where you fit into a field and that's the same as you'd work out a business you'd work out is there a gap in the market how do I fit it and there's nothing wrong with being a bit you know thinking a bit commercially even if that's you're acting more commercially for longer than you hope if that gets you in the door and you start to make money from it and you build your clients just like you would any other business then I think that's really important like I think there's also a bit of stubbornness in being an artist you're like I don't want to sell out but sometimes you need to a little bit you need to make mistakes before you can necessarily like climb that ladder and I think it's really good to see yourself as a business because you'll become less personal about everything, every little knock, every little setback, every little comment and imagining it's just like, well, they didn't like my business idea. So I'm just going to find another person who does. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I think that's really interesting too. And in, in that also something that I work with, with my clients is understanding that good people who make good money can do great things, which is something that another coach, Chris Harder quotes and kind of is his saying, and I learned that from him. And I think it's the same thing. When you can start making money from your art, it gives you more freedoms to then go and create more of the art you really want to, or just do it for fun or do whatever you want to next as well. It's not always everything in the short term, but sometimes it's a long-term game or both simultaneously. And another thing too, that I was taught was not only pricing your time and, you know, your materials and, and all those things, but also pricing the value that you give to others. And that's a really subjective, well, sometimes it's not subjective. Sometimes you can see that because I do this, this person makes this amount of money, but often it is a subjective feeling. And, but really when you think of your art, like what's the value of someone's happiness every time they look at your piece. And often that's why someone is willing to pay that price. They don't actually know if, you know, the charcoal and that piece of paper cost you this and how much time it took you. And they don't really care. It's just that that piece of art gives them such a good feeling. It's worth X and looking at that every day and feeling this spark of joy. If you told someone, Hey, I can give you something that'll make you feel joy every single day for five minutes. How much would you pay for it? People would say like millions of dollars. <laughs> um, but sometimes we just don't think of something in that way. And it's like, you know, when I tell even, some other of my clients who help people find love or help them work through things. I said, oh my goodness, if you were selling on the internet here, I can guarantee you that you'll find love. People would be paying millions for that to skip all the drama and the dating and all that stuff because that's where value is. And I think that's where art's value is, is five minutes of joy every day can be worth a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's... I just think for a lot of people, it's really hard to work out how to value that. And I think that is a lot about the self-worth of that person, like the individual selling that pitch to that to the potential client. So it's like, I think a whole part of really important, I mean, you're also talking about coach, coaching there, um, 
is you know how do you psych yourself up imagining that you're like multiple different employees in your business you know you're gonna tell your employee well it's not good enough you know it's gonna be like this is a great idea and this is the value I place for me this is the value I place my work and this is the value I want it to give other people yeah I love that so in terms of your work as an artist and running your business, what does a week in your life look like? How often do you create? What does running an art business really entail for you? There's kind of two questions there. There's like, what does a normal (laughs) week look like? And what does a week in COVID look like? Um, I think most people are quite surprised to know I probably spend most of my time emailing, admin, planning, like all the things that most people are doing in offices sadly my creative part of my job isn't like that much part of my week which is such a shame I definitely say I have creative bursts throughout the day and even if that creativity is writing for a bit or movement in some way like I think the whole point of my work is all slightly related to wellness so like wellness for me as a practice in my daily life is really important so that when I draw it like really comes out in a really positive way I find that the drawing is really spontaneous like any artwork that is created is completely like I'll just suddenly go right I'm gonna go do this now if I'm lucky enough to have a model or usually would then you know I'll have that scheduled in a week a model to draw from that is um but usually it's just I'll be like right I need to go into my studio and draw in the same respects I need to go get a coffee it feels very internal like this internal need to go and do obviously I do have commissions quite a lot and I will like set time for that but the true creative kind of the progress that you make you can't like plan it which is a really difficult thing so you can kind of plan the rest of your week you can plan when you're going to email when you're going to like schedule meetings But actually that like true progress just comes from when you feel it inside. So yeah, every week looks really different, which is a great thing about a job like this. I'm never very good at the type of, (laughs) I've shared studios with people like this. They can go in every day from eight till eight and they will be working. (laughs) And that's just not my personality. My personality is summed up quite a lot in the visuals of my work. I will go in, I will work solidly for an hour and then leave the studio. Um, And for me, like, that's how I create spontaneous works. Nothing is laboured or forced. It has to be, like, such an emotive thing. And that can be good and quite often negative emotions that I'm trying to get out. Um, So I feel quite lucky that I have this outlet, especially now (laughs) when we're all feeling a little wrapped it's really great to find any form of creativity in your week it's just slightly odd when the creativity is your job as it's less recreational (laughs) as perhaps it is for someone else I think that's really interesting for people you know I talk a lot about chasing your passions or curiosities as I like to put it in um, this podcast from Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that and I think so many people who are artists and think of a business selling their art And like anything, everything's glamorized. You just think, oh my gosh, I'm going to get to draw every day. And that's how I'm going to make 
money and then you get into running a business and you realize it's so much more than that and so much more time spent on things that you didn't go into this to do, but that then allows you to do that every day as your creative passion. And like you said, in terms of COVID, I I mean, I'd been following you for quite a while, but when COVID first hit, well, we were thinking of doing a retreat together in Paris at the end of, um, I think it was supposed to be end of August. And that was, we were chatting about it way before (laughs) COVID was a thing. And then when COVID happened, I reached out and asked if you had classes because it was that same need to just do something different and create something since we're stuck inside. And I loved doing the little online work exercises and your courses because it just gave me something different to focus on. And like you said, kind of put that emotion into something completely different. And even though I was horrible and the drawings looked nothing like yours as they shouldn't, but it was still really fun and and beautiful. And, and I'm sure so many other people who took that class felt that same way of just a space to release. I hope so too. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so used to teaching. Um, I used to teach at least once a month in like a selected place um, where I am now in London but obviously because of COVID we're all trapped at home and I decided to make and I'm going to make some more online classes for the beginning of this year because I think a lot of us around the world are entering into a very similar situation than we felt last year Um, and I think we just all need to keep busy in the same respects like although I probably wouldn't take drawing up as like some people will say this is a hobby you know for me like it's probably not as relaxing to actually go and sit down and draw now um but when I draw there's still this sense of like forgetting everything else and just focusing on that one thing and just noticing how much more calm you feel after it and centered it's a bit like doing yoga or something it's like very mindful and I think that was definitely what people would come back as and say, like, I just really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that hour where I didn't have to think of everything else. So, yeah, I think I'll be setting up a few more of those classes in the next coming months. Get us through winter, basically. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to put all the info in the bio for this episode so people can go find them and sign up and use it as their art therapy and, and nude therapy, too. And so you're saying, you know, when you go into your studio and create, you know, your creative process is a little bit more how you feel. Um, But when you're envisioning these new projects or these new collections or your book lovers, what kind of inspires you and what's your creative process around those plans um, before you just jump into the studio with your feelings? Um, You know, it's probably the other way around. (laughs) I've probably jumped into the studio with my feelings. So like my emotions definitely guide my work. Um, And then I'll come back to it as the business side and be like, okay, where is this going to be channeled next? It's more like making the initial steps and then going, you know, getting some feedback, which is what social media is amazing for actually. Um, You know, it has its negatives, but it's really got some amazing positives. And like working out from there, like where do I take that next project or where could this be used? When I created um, the book, I'd already created all these drawings in the year before. I'd created a bunch of drawings about an old relationship. 
And they just felt so natural to me. They were just my way of processing a quite unhealthy relationship with someone and, you know, from beginning to end. And people loved them. I got such great feedback. And then this year I was like, "Mm, I feel like I need to put something out there that, you know, someone hasn't commissioned me for. Uh, That's just my responsibility. And ended up having a conversation with these guys and we together worked together and created this book. So it's almost... Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) I've gone like in a big reverse. So like now I'll be spending quite a lot of this like January point looking back at old work and just going, where do I want to take, you know, do I want to continue with this? Or where could I use this? Who could I reach out that might be interested in like collaborating on this? Um, So like there are the projects kind of come from the initial creativity. I find it really hard to just go like, oh, I want to make this. Because you'll find that when you say I want to do something, (laughs) it will just not work. It's very annoying like that. (laughs) I think that's actually, I mean, I totally get the annoying part. And I also think (laughs) that that's something even with a lot of other businesses. And when I talk to my clients about it, I say that too, is when you focus on your, your why or the love of it, or your mission more on things or what actually like you feel in your business, that's usually the thing that actually makes then turns into financial abundance or think like the best pieces of your business that people want, whether that's art or services or whatever that is. And often when, whenever as a business owner, or even in life, even in like love and relationships and friendships, when you come at something with a plan and wanting it to look like this, it's so rarely ever looks like that. And usually the effort in trying to force it actually does the opposite effect. Whereas when we go into things with just this emotion leading us and this bigger purpose or joy leading us or love or whatever it is, and we don't focus so much on what this needs to be at the end is often when it turns into something that is, you know, exactly what you would have tried to force. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I love the our relationships with people and friendships are a really good example of that. You know, imagine saying, I want this to look like this. It's probably going to be a disaster. Um, and I guess it's like how we're learning to deal with life at the moment as well. You know, that good metaphor of like taking each day as it comes. You can't really plan this year ahead. I've got to say, like, I have no idea where we're going to be in August or September you know, I have a loose plan in my head and some loose ideas, but they've got to, you know, work in relation to what's going to happen next. And I think having that flexibility in any business is really important. And, you know, you can put something out there as a prototype, but that's going to develop and it's going to have to bounce off whatever's going on, whatever conversations are happening. You know, any project is a bit like dialogue. It has to have, you know, two people talking and it has to have like, that give and take before you get to the final result. And as long as you've got like the initial idea or the passion, something driving you forward, then you'll get to the end point. It just probably isn't gonna look like what you imagined. And that's sometimes much better. Yeah, I completely agree. So kind of on that point, what is, and maybe that is your advice, what is one piece of advice you would give an artist trying to find their footing in the world or wanting to make a living from their work? So I, before I started this, I did a master's and we spent the entire master's 
not really working, but mostly them asking us, so why are you doing this? And everything we did, you know, you'd do a project and they'd go, yeah, but why? You know, what is the reason? And when you said the reason and it didn't correlate, they'd be like, well, I don't see that. And you spend your entire art school learning how to go like, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I did this. And kind of always, you're always re-questioning yourself. But it's something that I've taken forward. It's like, go deep inside without sounding too hippie and be like, why do I want to do this? What is it I want to say? And how am I going to say it? And if you haven't got all those three points, then you're not fully behind that project. And you're going to also have to accept that sometimes that project might have a few stumbling blocks and to be okay that you might make mistakes and that someone might knock you back. But as long as you've got those three points, if someone knocks you back, you can be like, well, I believe this. Or, you know, that is my core belief behind my artwork or any creative project. And so that you feel like you've really got that integrity behind what you're doing. And hopefully, you know, at one point people will start listening because everything is matching up. And I think that's sometimes why people fail. They'll put an idea across, like we talked about before, but they put the visual across, but it doesn't match feeling. Or perhaps that, you know, it doesn't relate to what's going on at the moment in people's lives. So they're not hearing it as well. Like, it's also really good to work out your place as a creative or an artist now. Like, who else is working out there you know, are you overlapping with someone? Is there a space for your voice? Who is your audience? Again, going back to thinking like a business for a little bit is really useful and it can really help you build that little shield when people are going to knock you back. You know, you're coming at someone with a visual idea, you know, there's going to be people that love or hate it. And I think that's, I think that would actually be my final advice. Just accept that not everyone's going to love it, <laughs> but as long as you feel strong enough, you know, you feel like it's what you want to say, then that will actually give you the strength to keep going. And it is hard work. Nothing is easy. If it's hard work, it's working. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's so relatable to any business too, is just that you don't need everyone to be your client. You don't need everyone to love your art. You need your people to love your art, love your business. And that feeling that you put into it will come across and connect to the right person who's meant to feel that, connect with that and love that. And that is so much more powerful than everyone loving it personally. Mm. And I don't know if you agree that, you know, feeling those people who get your art so much and you're like, yeah, you're my people, the needing everyone to love your art for a much surface level reason. And I think in the same thing with business, having someone just love what you do and really feel something from it is so much more validating and so much more fulfilling than having everyone kind of like what you do or like it at this much surface level area. Yeah, I mean, we're in living in such a visual world as well where there's so much competition. It's much better that you get a, you tap into your audience and they love it rather than just being the generic thing that we're all going to forget about in a year. Like and I think especially if you want to be an, an artist or you're going to have to accept that not everyone's going to love it. Like, and that's the point about art. 
like I think yeah if you really want to be someone doing something quite creative you're gonna to have to get that some people are just not going to get it um in the same specs if you've got a business idea and you want to come at it you know every business idea has an audience so the other side just isn't interested and you kind of need to accept that and I think that's where the you know being the artist and having the business side is really important so that you don't get personally knocked back like it's not personal to us as individuals it's just they don't hear our business you know it's not I think it's really hard for us to separate that and especially we're living in such a digital visual age where you know every little thing is so criticized but even like our social media presence that's not us like it's really important that we learn the difference between us as whether we're a business putting it out there or us as a persona to the real us no, completely. I completely agree with that. And I think that actually leads really nicely into something I like to ask everyone who comes on um, my podcast with me is what's one thing that you hope everyone leaves this episode having learned or taken away or, and maybe that relates more to your art than this episode, but what's one thing you hope people take away? I guess this is probably going to go to anyone that would like to perhaps follow their creative passion or to pursue this creative dream. And I hope that they've heard something from me, which is, you know, I didn't have a leg up in this. Like I've just worked very hard, but I've been really true to my nature. And I think maybe that's actually what I wanna say. And that can be for anyone actually, like being true to your core and doing the self work will help you with any kind of creative or business project you wanna do. I love that. So the inner work to produce all the outer work and, and do your dreams. And I mean, I've seen so many coaches and therapists and stuff, and I've seen all of that come through and any of my creative projects too. And I'm sure, yeah, diving into your true core and, and that alignment and allow, allowing that show through is always what creates that true connection, I think, in the world and gives other people permission to do the exact same thing. Yeah, I think if we're really authentic to ourselves, then we'll also be following an authentic dream. Um, and whether it earns you, you know, earns you like small bucks or big bucks, you know, it will still then be really important to you and it will still give you back what you need. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Alexandria. This has been such an amazing conversation. I've followed you for a while, but I learned so much more about you through this conversation and hearing more about your art and how you created this business and what the even bigger emotion is behind it. I mean, I've always connected to your work in that way. And I'm really excited for when I find a new apartment in Paris to fill it with your pieces because I've been waiting for that moment. <laughs> Not here, there yet, but... Um, so thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself in both your art and on this episode too. All right. Thank you so much for inviting me and letting me waffle for a, a while. So yeah.